You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. In each episode of Movie Therapy, Rafer Guzman, you and I offer up questionable advice and the finest film and TV recommendations in the whole wide world. <laughs> That's right. Kristen, let's get to this week's letters. Yes, let's do it. Our first patient is named Emily Smith. Emily Smith writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I had an amazing relationship with a man, we'll call him Ben, a few years ago. He was a bit older and divorced with two kids. I was early 30s and have always dreamt of having children of my own, We eventually broke up because he said he could never see himself having more kids, and he knew how important that was for me. While this was difficult, I understood and respected it as a valid deal breaker. Six months after we broke up, I found out he'd gotten married and just found out they are expecting. I can't help but feel rejected, as if the reason we broke up wasn't really the real reason he decided to leave. It hurts my heart that someone I loved and who loved me is having a child with someone when he said he wouldn't want that with me. Do you have any movie or TV recommendations to help remind me that whatever the reason, it didn't work out for a reason? And to hold on to hope that I'll meet that special someone and become a mom? Oh, Emily Smith. That sounds sounds really difficult, really... um harsh and i think it's what's kind of awful is that um someone you loved basically lied to you um you know may, maybe he was you know taking kind of the coward's way out and looking for a reason rather than just telling you the truth um i suppose there is some possibility that he didn't want a kid and then something drastically changed in those 6 months and who knows maybe but my my suspicion, and you probably had this suspicion too, is that uh, this guy Ben just wasn't telling you the truth. Um, and I think you deserve better. You deserved at least to have the truth uh, and not some kind of um, excuse, especially an excuse that's so um, 
that's so sensitive and personal and kind of, you know, kind of fraught and kind of, I think, goes very deeply to you, this excuse of children. Um, I think that's really not the right thing uh, for that guy to have done. What do you say, Kristen? Oh, God. I 100% agree with you, Rafer. It's so painful. And I do think Ben was being a coward here. I, yeah. You know, he, he should have just told you, you know, this is great, but it's not something I see lasting forever, you know, um, or, or whatever it is. You know, some relationships do have a shelf life, and that's okay. That doesn't mean the relationships were invalid or bad. Right. But maybe he just didn't see you as being the person he wanted to be with forever. And that's okay. That's not a reflection on you. Uh, what is a reflection on anyone here is that Ben didn't tell you the truth. And that means you dodged a bullet. By not having to be with someone who's dishonest, who can't talk frankly about his feelings, you deserve to be with someone who can be frank about his feelings and his fears or his whatever it is he's feeling. And he wasn't doing that with you, Emily Smith. And for whatever reason, whatever that reason was, that's his reason. It has nothing to do with you. You're outstanding. You have time left. You can become a mom. And there's loads of people out there right now who would just, oh, they would be so thrilled to meet someone just like you and to cherish you and to tell you the truth, Emily Smith. Not like Ben, okay? Ben's not worth it. I think that's totally right. It's very hard. It's very hard to convince someone that they've dodged a bullet. It is. I feel like it's the kind of thing you tell people all the time. We tell people that. I tell people that. It's extremely hard <laughs> to kind of get that through to somebody. Um, but Emily Smith, you should you should really think about that and try to take take that to heart. So, Kristen, what's your prescription for Emily Smith? All right. Well, Emily Smith, I know this is not going to seem like it is the right prescription at first, but it is. Believe me, it is. It is a movie (laughs) that is now a whopping 20 years old that you may have heard of called Legally Blonde from 2001. Oh, yes. It is currently on Hulu at the time of this taping. Now, I think most of the world knows Legally Blonde, but if you don't, Reese Witherspoon plays Elle Woods. She's a seemingly ditzy blonde who just wants to settle down with her college sweetheart, Warner Huntington III. But (laughs) Warner has different plans. His dream is to pursue a career in politics, to earn a degree from Harvard Law. And as he sees it, Elle just isn't smart or serious enough to fit into that dream. And so he dumps her. But after the dumping, Elle sets out to prove him wrong and win him back. She applies to Harvard Law. She manages to get in. But when she arrives, she is shunned by Warner and all the other straight-laced law students who presume she's just a dum-dum. What's worse, Warner has already very quickly moved on with a new woman. Undeterred, Elle tries her best to prove she still belongs there. Elle? Warner? I totally forgot you go here. What are you talking about? Uh, I'm sorry, are you here to see me? No, silly. I go here. You you go where? Harvard. Law school. You got into Harvard Law? What, like it's hard? Oh my gosh, Warner, it's going to be so great. I'm planning this great mixer. You totally have to help me. I'm thinking like a luau or maybe like casino night. This is going to be just like senior year except for funner. Uh Oh, uh, time to go. I have to go to class, but um, meet me after on the benches, okay? Well, this is uh, a great movie. It is one of my wife's favorite movies. It was just one of those irresistible, endlessly watchable hits like 
pitch perfect or clueless or you know there's there's a there's a whole bunch of these um and legally blonde is is way up there and you're right um one of the great things about this movie is um just like we were saying about the whole dodge the bullet uh philosophy it's also that philosophy of happiness is the best revenge yes right thank you rafer i'm so glad you saw what i was going for in this i'm so yes. glad you see yeah it. of course because it's not about a man who already has kids it's not about babies but it's about her living her best life. Right. And what the hell is wrong with Warner that he could not see her value? Her spunkiness and her positivity did not mean she was dumb. Her love of celebrity gossip does not mean she's an idiot and <laughs> incapable of critical thinking. You can have all of those things. You can absolutely dress like a Barbie and still be the smartest person in the room. And Warner couldn't see it. She dodged a bullet. He's not that smart. If he were smart, he would be able to see that those things can coexist. Right. And in the end, you know what? I, I, this is a bit of a spoiler, but I think most people know it. In the end, she ends up with somebody who does see all of those things in her, who appreciates her for who she is. But that's beside the point. Whether or not that guy shows up at the end of the movie, it's really about her living a great life and being true to herself and enjoying uh, her own multitudes within her. That's really what it's about. And yeah, she did dodge a bullet with Warner. And you know what? You dodged a bullet with Ben Emily Smith. You're going to see it someday. You may not see it now, but you're going to see it someday. And you're going to live your best life. And you're going to embrace your own multitudes. And you're going to live the life you want to. And Rafer and I are cheering for you. Totally. You know, it's funny. I can't believe we've gone so long without having recommended Legally Blonde. I know. I had to double check. I'm like, <laughs> have we really not recommended this yet? I, I feel like it's the solution for so many problems. I know. Well, it's a great movie and a, and a great recommendation. <laughs> but what about you, Rafer? What does the doctor order, Dr. Rafer Guzman? Well, I'm going to uh, prescribe a, a slightly lesser known film uh, from 2010, a little rom called called The Switch. Um, ah, yes. Do you remember this movie? Of course. It was based on a short story in The New Yorker. That's right. And they turned it into a feature-length kind of rom-com with Jennifer Aniston and Jason Bateman. That is exactly right. It was a, a Jeffrey Eugenides, um short story. So it had uh, it had good genes. You know, it had uh, it had good bones. Uh, you know, sort of a little, little stronger than your usual rom-com source material. Um, yes. Yeah, but it's a story of two friends, uh, Cassie, that's Jennifer Aniston, and Wally, played by Jason Bateman. Um, you know, they, they're, they've been longtime friends. They did have a brief relationship many years ago. But, um, you know, Cassie is this kind of, uh, you know, happy, upbeat um, woman. And Wally is, you know, he's kind of neurotic, pessimistic. He's a little difficult. It just didn't last. He's still in love with her, of course. But Cassie's moved on. She is single. She wants a baby. There's no guy in the picture. So, she finds a donor. And this guy is named Roland, played by Patrick Wilson. Very handsome, smart, professor. Seems, you know, eh, okay, nice enough, I suppose. Cassie has a big party, like an insemination party. She's going to celebrate. And Roland's sperm is in a little container in the bathroom, just waiting to be used. Wally goes in there. He's a little drunk. And he accidentally drops it in the toilet. There it is. It's gone. He can't fess up. What does he do? He replaces it with his own. Here's a clip. Hey, Wally. Hi. You want me to top off? No, thanks. Some no, 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 no. Thank you, thank you. I'm going to stick with the hard stuff tonight. Hey, so who does this? A, a party for insemination? I mean, is there even a doctor here, Debbie? This whole night was my idea. It's how everybody's doing it these days. And Cassie's going to go in the other room. We're all going to leave. And she's going to, like, do the deed with this big baster. Shouldn't that be cleaned or something? 
Why is it up here? I'm messing with you. Oh. <laughs> Wowie. Debbie, so knock that funny. off. She's going to use a medical device, but, you know, it's basically the same thing. It goes in and out. Charming. I should change the guacamole. You know when it goes from green to brown, like ugh, that putrid, kind of like your sweater. Oh, I'm so mad at Wally for doing that. <laughs> Wally. It's not you cool. You big jerk. Come on. It's not cool. That's not cool. What? You're going to make a person? It's not cool. You but... don't make a person because you're embarrassed to <laughs> say that you dropped something in the toilet. God. Now, Wally. Rafer, let's get to the point. Why are you prescribing this movie? Well, all right. Listen, um, you know, Kristen, you're not alone. I, this movie, as I recall, got kind of middling reviews. Um, most people, I, th- I think, were kind of suffering from rom-com fatigue at the time, and I think Aniston fatigue, and just nobody was that impressed with it. But, like, there's a handful of critics that found it really charming and a little smarter than average. I was one of them. Um, and I guess what I liked about the movie, and I understand what you're saying, Kristen, is that, you know, Wally has kind of forced Cassie's hand here. But one of the things I liked about the movie was that Cassie is a real person in this movie, and she does take control of her own destiny. There's no guy around, so she wants to have a baby, so she does it. Um, you know, when she has the kid, she leaves New York and she goes back to her home state of Kristen, Minnesota. Yes. Uh, because she decides it's a better place to raise her kid. You know, she's... She's not waiting around for anyone. Um, she's not waiting around, certainly, for Wally. But there is a guy in the world that is Wally. Wally does love her. He does want to have a kid with her. That's nothing he ever planned. Uh, and it's true that he's no picnic. He's kind of a difficult, uh, cynical, uh, snotty guy. Neurotic. Neurotic, yeah. right? He's a little OCD, kind of infuriating at times. But he's a good person, and he's devoted to her. And, you know, look, kind of like with... Legally Blonde, I suppose. Um, this is a rom-com, and all rom-coms are fairy tales. Uh, and sometimes they don't necessarily feel true, or the premises are a little thinly stretched. But I have to tell you, this one kind of felt a little true to me. I liked these characters. They felt real to me. Um, and I think, you know, it might be a little upbeat pick-me-up for our listener. Well, I do like that part about taking ownership of your own life. And if you want to be a mom... You can be a mom, Emily Smith. I really like that portion of it. Not so sure about Jason Bateman. Come on. We all drop things in the toilet. <laughs> God. God. Kristen, I hear I hear your point. I'm not going to fight you on it. <laughs> I hear your point. I know what you're saying. All right. Once again, our recommendations are from me, The Switch, and from Kristen, The Great Legally Blonde. All right. We're going to take a quick break, but before we do... Thank you to everybody who keeps on giving us those five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts. We love you. We appreciate you. You don't have to write us reviews. Just the five stars alone makes our hearts sing. But uh, let's shout out somebody who did write us a five-star review, somebody named Kristen Love. I like that name. Yeah. Kristen Love says, best part of my week. I check for the new podcast all day on Thursday until it's available. I look forward to it so much. This is like a model. Dear Abby with the fabulous spin of also offering TV shows or movies to watch and reflect on the topic. Well, thank you very much, Kristen Love. Is that now is that a person whose last whose name is Kristen and she's just kind of like a, a, a lover, not a fighter type, or is that a tribute oh. to you, Kristen? Does she love you? 
Oh. I wasn't sure. I hope Kristen's last name is Love. That would be really nice. <laughs> that, no, that would right? be even, that would be the best. I would love that. I would love that. And then, by the way, Kristen Love, I'm presuming you might be either, uh, you're certainly not on the East Coast if you get the show on Thursday nights because it comes out at 12.01 on Friday mornings in New York. So um, you're in a different time zone. Thanks for listening to us in whatever time zone you're in. Totally. Good, good observation, Kristen. Other Kristen. Uh, all right. Stay with us. When we're back, we'll tackle a letter from someone suffering from vaccine envy. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. We are back with our second letter of the week. Rafer, take it away. All right. This one comes from Jealous Emily. Ooh, another Emily. Another Emily. We're two Um, for two Emilies this week. (laughs) (laughs) I know. They never stop. Uh, All right. Jealous Emily writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, like many others... I am having a hard time as we are hitting the one-year quarantine milestone. The thing I'm having the hardest time with is feeling very jealous and then feeling ashamed that I'm jealous of all the people who have gotten the vaccine before me. I want desperately to be vaccinated. I know I should be grateful that I do not have any underlying health conditions and that I have a nice cushy desk job where I can work from home. I know I just need to be patient but I'm feeling very jealous of states that are administering vaccines to people 40 plus. What can I watch to help me not feel so jealous and or have more patience? Mm. Now, Rafer, do you feel any vaccine jealousy? Do you know I really don't? I'm not trying to discount uh, what our listener is feeling here. Um, I just kind of feel like, hey, when it happens, it happens. Now, I will tell you, uh, by the time this podcast comes out, I will probably have gotten my first dose um, because they lowered the age limit here in New York. So I am now eligible. And already I was going after some of these, um, some of the leftover uh, vaccines. Now, I don't know if our Jealous Emily listener is aware of that. Most people are. But, you know, you can call up places and see if they have leftover vaccines at the end of the day. And if you're lucky, they'll give it to you rather than throw it away. So you're not cutting in front of anyone in line. And so I've been doing that. And anyway... I will probably very soon be vaccinated, but I had to wait a long time and I figured, you know, it would take, I was surprised when they lowered the age limit. I guess we all kind of sort of knew it was coming, but Mm -hmm. I was ready to, you know, write it out and just sort of 
wait until my turn came. Uh, how about you? Do you feel like, have you been like really desperate to get a vaccine, Kristen? No, no, I haven't. Um, at one point, my family said, please, Kristen, try to get the vaccine. Please, you have your asthma. But then I found out my asthma is not severe enough because I don't use an inhaler on a daily basis. Ah. So then I thought, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful I don't have to use an inhaler every day. I True. am so lucky. And if I don't get the vaccine, because that's the reason, I am so thankful because I have in the past gone through periods where my breathing was very, very bad. And I just think, oh, I think my lucky stars, my breathing is better now. I don't need a vaccine. And that's a good thing. And I'm very lucky for that. So I'm fortunate that I have something that's so concrete that I can focus on from my own experience that reminds me of that. Uh, jealous Emily, you may not have a connection that feels that visceral to you like I do about the breathing, but that gives me something to be grateful for. But Jealous Emily, something else you might be able to focus on also is that for every one person out there who is vaccinated, the world becomes safer for all of us. Exactly. Exactly. And maybe, you know, maybe you, for some reason right now, because of your jealousy, can't muster empathy for people who have diabetes or who have all the other underlying conditions, cancer and so on, that allow them to get the vaccine. Maybe you're just like, oh, I can't feel sorry for them. But Maybe instead you can feel grateful for that herd immunity that's gradually starting to happen. Each person vaccinated makes the world safer for us. So maybe that's something you can focus on in addition to Rafer's strategy of just like checking in to see if there are leftovers around you. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's a that's an excellent point. Um, well, Kristen, what's your recommendation for our jealous listener? All right. I went back and forth and back and forth on this jealous Emily because <laughs> okay. there was definitely a part of me that was like, you know what? You just need to watch a movie where someone's really, really jealous and goes ape shit. And right. I, I thought about that. But then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try and go the high road instead with an animated gem that you may recall from 2015 called Inside Out. It's currently on Disney+. Plus. One of my favorite movies of the last 10 to 15 years. I, that is such a great movie. I will say this, uh, Emily, uh, Jealous Emily, if, if you're not familiar with it, don't be turned off by the fact that this is a Pixar movie or that it's a Disney movie. In my mind, this is very much a movie for grownups, not for kids. Yeah. And uh, if, if you don't know it, Inside Out takes place inside the mind of a girl named Riley. And it centers on five characters that live inside Riley's mind. These are her five strongest emotions. Their names are joy, sadness, fear, disgust, and anger. And they're all personified as cute little cartoon characters in different colors. And these characters help her form her memories. They help her develop her personality. And for the most part, at the beginning of the movie, Riley's memories are good. But then at the age of 11, her father moves the family to San Francisco from Minnesota, another movie with a mention of Minnesota. Oh, that's right. And he takes on a new job. And when they get there, she is not happy. The house is cramped. Her father has no time for her. Uh, when they order pizza, stupid San Francisco, they put broccoli on the pizza. For crying out loud. Nobody <laughs> wants broccoli on the pizza. I forgot about that. <laughs> and then finally on her first day of school, she just breaks down and she cries. And all of her emotions kick into high gear and fight it out, trying to figure out how they can try to make things right, how they can try to save her memories, how they can save this little girl 
Here's a clip. First day of school, very, very exciting. I was up late last night figuring out a new plan. Here it is, fear. <laughs> I need a list of all the possible negative outcomes on the first day at a new school. Way ahead of you there. Does anyone know how to spell meteor? Disgust. Make sure Riley stands out today, but also blends in. When I'm through, Riley will look so good, the other kids will look at their own outfits and barf. Joy. Yes, Joy? You'll be in charge of the console, keeping Riley happy all day long. And may I add, I love your dress. It's adorable. Oh, this old thing? Thank you so much. I love the way it twirls. <laughs> schedule. <laughs> Anger, unload the daydreams. I ordered extra in case things get slow in class. Might come in handy if this new school is full of boring, useless classes, which it probably will be. Oh, sadness. I have a super important job just for you. Really? Mm-hmm. Follow me. What are you doing? And there. Perfect. This is the circle of sadness. Your job is to make sure that all the sadness stays inside of it. Well, for me, Kristen, this was one of the high points of the whole Pixar body of work. Um, this one just, I, I, I think this was probably my favorite Pixar movie, uh, neck and neck with Wally. Um, wow. But I mean, just, I, I, I just, I loved it. I just, I loved the the interaction between joy and sadness, sort of the, the, the buddy comedy aspect of that. Sadness is such a downer, but oh, so funny. I know. She's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, no, they're all great. And it's just such a great, fascinating idea for a movie to turn your emotions into characters and send them on an adventure. Um, I don't know. I just love this movie from top to bottom. Yeah. And, you know, my memory is just my heart hurting so bad watching this movie because oh, yeah. I felt like it got to such real things that we all experience. And that's why I'm prescribing it to you, Jealous Emily, because the movie really shows those contradictory feelings we all have sometimes. Like, oh, I know I'm supposed to feel grateful, but I'm jealous. Or right. um, why am I happy when there's so much terrible sadness in the world? Or, you know, all these things that are in contradiction with each other. And I think the movie does such a good job of pointing to the fact that we're all complicated and what we see on the outside doesn't necessarily reflect what's on the inside. So I hope this movie will help you be a little bit less hard on yourself. But I hope it may also help you to look around at everybody around you who is getting the vaccine and maybe say, whatever they are dealing with on the inside, I don't see. Sure. And I'm not going to compare my insides to their outsides. Whatever they're dealing with, there's a reason they need this shot. And it's going to come for me, too. And I, I hope that just makes you feel a little bit better. Or maybe it'll just make you cry. And maybe you need to cry, too, because we all kind of need to cry after a year of this pandemic, right? Uh, completely. Um, oh, that's a really good That's a really good idea, sort of accepting your emotions, you know, and, and naming them and accepting your emotions. Um, that's good advice. Now I'm, now I'm thinking maybe I have bad advice for our listener. No. Hmm. Reefer, you never have bad I advice. Know. I don't Do know. you ever we'll have see. bad advice? Oh, watch the switch. Yeah, that was the only <laughs> bad advice that you've ever given. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding, Reefer. Oh, uh, all right. Well, listen. I, okay. I kind of went for the... I, I took the exact opposite tack of you, uh, Kristen. Um, I went for a movie that would sort of teach you something by negative example. Um <laughs> I went for a cautionary tale is what oh, I went for. So okay. I went for um, a great old classic movie, one of the greats, uh, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre from 1948, uh, John of Huston. Of course. Yes. yes. I mean, this is one of my favorite movies. Um, I watched it not that long ago, actually. Uh, so John Huston directing uh, his dad, Walter Huston, in it, and also, of course, Humphrey Bogart. Um 
So it's the story of these two down-and-outers, a guy named Bob Curtin, played by Tim Holt, and, of course, Fred C. Dobbs, played by Bogey. Uh, it's the year is 1925 when it starts out. They're in a flop house in Tampico, Mexico. Uh, they hear an old-timer. That's uh, the Walter Houston character. This old-timer is talking about gold, and uh, he's, he's uh, seen what gold can do to men, and that includes what gold has done to him. But, you know, he hasn't stopped prospecting yet. He, he can't stop, and he joins up with Bob and Fred, and they all head up into the Sierra Madre Mountains along the west of Mexico, and they're going to hope to strike it rich. At first, everything is great. They're all good friends. They're going to split everything equally. It's going to be fantastic. Here's a clip. Southern California and Australia, all over the world, practically. I know what gold does to men's souls. You talk as though you struck it rich sometime or other, Pop. How about it? And what are you doing in here, the down and outer? That's the gold. That's what it makes us. There was no prospector yet that died rich. Make one fortune, should have blow it in trying to find another. I'm no exception to the rule. <laughs> Going alone is the best way, but you got to have a stomach for loneliness. Some guys go nutty with it. On the other hand, going with a partner too is dangerous. Murder's always lurking about. Partners accusing each other of all sorts of crimes. <laughs> uh, as long as there's no find, the noble brotherhood will last. But when the piles of gold begin to grow, that's when the trouble starts. Me now, I wouldn't mind a little of that kind of trouble. Oh, Rafer, we all know it's not going to stay fantastic. No. We all know what's going to happen here. No. Things end very badly. In oh, it's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. You know, it's what I love about this movie is it's it's a really it's a very tough movie. Even for 1948, it's it's pretty um, it's pretty intense. It's pretty brutal. It's not graphic. Um, although I, I think an early version of it, or at least maybe an early version of the script, contained a uh, decapitation scene, um, which oh, kind God. of shows you where John Huston was sort of going with this. Um, obviously, that didn't make it into the movie. And of course, this is one of Bogart's greatest performance. Dark, um, you know, but also really human, like a really human, tragic character. Um, you know, Bogey, I know everyone thinks of him as the tough guy, but he was a, he was a great actor. Um, so, you know, uh, the reason I recommend this movie is kind of obvious. Um, don't be Fred C. Dobbs. Don't don't get greedy. <laughs> Trust your fellow man to do the right thing. Don't begrudge others what they have. There's plenty to go around. Uh, just like Kristen was saying, you know, uh, when others get vaccinated, it's almost like you get vaccinated or at least the safer you are. Um, so don't be Fred C. Dobbs. Don't be jealous, Emily. Be the good Emily <laughs> that we know you are and watch Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Oh, it is a gritty movie. <laughs> it really is. And by gritty, I mean it really taps into like, oh, there's some ugly parts of us. Oh, of yeah. All of us. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, that's that's. And we're going to make you look at those parts. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's one of my faves. So once again, those prescriptions are from Rafer, the treasure of the Sierra Madre, and from me, Inside Out. Okay, it's time for us to take one more quick break. But before we do, do you need some movie therapy? Visit our website, RaferandKristen.com. Fill out the contact form. You don't have to use your real name. I don't really think anyone does. <laughs> we get so many Emilys, so I'm guessing... <laughs> Not everyone's named Emily. And, of course, if you haven't already, join the conversation on our Facebook community. That is facebook.com slash group slash Rafer and Kristen. Even Rafer shows up there as much as he hates social media. That's true. I do. Uh, <laughs> all right. When we're back, we will have our weekly What Should I Watch Next letter. 
We're back, and it's time for this week's What Should I Watch Next letter. Kristen, take it away. All right. I love this name. Uh, Call Me Kathleen Hannah writes, <laughs> Dear Rafer and Kristen, a few weeks ago, my 14-year-old daughter and I discovered the new Amy Poehler movie, Moxie, and loved it. I connected with the Amy Poehler character, a former riot girl who spent her youth trying to overthrow the patriarchy, and my daughter connected with her daughter, Vivian, who was shy and well-behaved, but wanted to muster the strength to speak up in the face of injustice. We've since watched the movie two more times and have enjoyed it just as much on repeat viewings, laughing and pointing out our thoughts on real issues. I'd like to add a few more movies or TV shows to the mix along the same lines, what should we watch next? Once again, here's a movie that I have not seen that I've really been wanting <gasps> to see because, you know, look, oh. I'm from the 90s. I remember the Riot Girl movement. Um, and I like Amy Poehler a lot. Um, this is, again, where the rubber always meets the road, you know, with uh, my kids. You know, they don't want to watch. They want to watch a sitcom. They want to watch something light. Ah, you know, movie about a mom and a daughter. Ah, my kids are such boys. So they don't want to watch this kind of stuff. It's very hard. No, you're I wrong. know. Reefer, your boys would I love know. this. Your boys would love it. It's so rock and roll. It is so fierce. It is so, you know, speaking up in the face of what's wrong in the world. It's about kids being smarter than grownups in some cases. I, I, it really is something I think your kids would like, especially your older son, because he's like exactly the right age. It's totally for middle school and high school kids. Yeah. And he plays rock guitar. Like He taught himself oh how God. to play like all the great classic rock standards and Nirvana. And I know, I know. It's, oh, you know, my that's... gosh. No, you just have to trick your kids into watching this, Rafer. This movie is so fun. You know, I was wrong when I said it's for kids, your, your kid's age. It's also just for me and you, Rafer. Like, I was watching it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Bikini Kill. <laughs> yeah, oh, God, I used to love seeing Slater Kinney. Oh, yeah. I I had I had those combat boots. My hair was pink back then. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. I had that baby doll dress. I had more barrettes <laughs> than that girl, but I was like that. Yeah. I protested. I had my signs. Yeah. And it made me feel like watching this movie, it was, it was like a, a sweet little uh, stroll down memory lane. And it made me feel like I was a really cool kid, even though I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. But it is also for kids. Okay, good. All right, good. Listen, I'll try to bully my sons into watching it. I'm going to have to. Just turn it on. They're going to fall for it in the first five minutes. They will. I promise. All right. They'll, they'll love it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Kristen, what are you going to recommend for our listener? I'm going to recommend, instead of a movie, a TV series that just came out on Amazon Prime a few months ago called The Wilds. And, uh, Rafer, I think I've talked with you off mic about The Wilds before. Uh, the Wilds centers around a diverse group of teenage girls who are left stranded on a deserted island after a plane crash. Oh, yeah. Unaware that they're the subjects of a social experiment. Now, on the surface, they, th this may sound a little bit like Lord of the Flies or it may sound like Lost. But trust me, it is right. way better than both of those because. Come on. It, it's better than Lost. It is so much better than Lost because it's not like they're trying to trick you with one breadcrumb after another after another and then they never give you the right. answer answer to what the puzzle is. That did get a little mad. Oh, Lost made me so mad. Stop with the teasing. Give me some answers. It was all questions and no answers. The Wilds is not like that. The point of it is not to trick us because we already know what the scenario is from the get-go. 
the point of watching is to see how are they going to get out of it? What are they going to do with this? And what are the backstories that the girls bring to this situation that make them equipped or not equipped to deal with this? Because a lot of the show is also flashbacks where we see what their lives were like before they got to the island and we get to see what led them to being sent to the island in the first place. Here's a clip. We are stuck here. It's the 21st century. Okay, they will find us. My life is out there a million miles away. There was trauma. But being a teenage girl, that was the real living hell. Death has been hanging over our heads. And yet the only thing I seem to care about is love. Isn't that what we're all afraid of? Then we won't be loved. Are we in the actual Bermuda Triangle? Everything about the island feels off. I think this sounds really good. This sounds like possibly another thing I could show my kids. Oh, yeah. I think your kids would love it because it's so survivalist and it's so sneaky and... You know, my kids love that stuff. You know, they they just they consumed the entire first season of Survivor. I don't know if I ever told you that. Oh, they were just, I didn't they know were just that. Oh fascinated gosh. by it. Yeah. Now I will say though, Rafer, that your younger son he might be a little too young for this show because they do ah. get to some really tough issues here, ah. um, including. Okay. Uh, back in their lives in the real world before the island, we see that there were issues with maybe uh, older men and consent Uh, and uh with body autonomy and with eating disorders, with, uh, you know, alcohol and drug abuse, with issues of racism, classism, homophobia. Mm. We see all of these things playing out in their real lives. And I think your older son would be able to grasp all of those things and be okay with them. But your younger son might have a little tougher time with it. But- The show is very kick-ass. These girls are very fierce. It's not as frothy or funny as Moxie by any means, but it is still deliciously bingeable. You will cheer for these girls. You will want them to come out ahead, and you'll want them to overthrow everybody in charge. And it's hard (laughs) not to root for this show, and I binged the whole thing in just a couple days. I loved The Wilds. I loved The Wilds. Oh, interesting. All right. So that sounds really good. I'm glad you recommended that. But Rafer, what about you? What are you going to recommend to uh, Call Me Kathleen Hanna? By the way, for people who don't know who Kathleen Hanna is, she uh, is the lead singer of Bikini Kill. Yes. And uh, later on of uh, La Tigra, also a very good Yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. Thank Um, you, Rafer. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, I'm I'm digging back in the vaults a tiny bit. Uh, I went all the way back to 1982 to recommend, ladies and gentlemen, the fabulous Stains, which yes, is, yes, uh, yes, yes, it's yes. such a great movie, oh, and it is one of so Kathleen good. Hanna's favorite movies. Um, she used to sign autographs with the title of the movie, encouraging her fans to go watch it. The story was when she formed. Bikini Kill, and they were rehearsing in a, I think it was a friend's basement. Uh, it came on television during their second rehearsal, and uh, they all sat and watched it and got like totally inspired to keep going with the band. Um, it used to be very hard to find. Um, it never got a proper theatrical release. It would just kind of show up on late night TV here and there, and people would make bootleg copies of it. Um, but finally, in the mid 2000s, it got a real home video release through Rhino. And then now you can find it uh, on Amazon, on Prime Video. So uh, this is the story of Corinne Burns. She's played by a 16-year-old Diane Lane. Uh, she lives in this dying Rust Belt town, and she has discovered 
punk rock, and she finds it empowering, and it just gives voice to all the anger she's feeling. She puts together a band with a couple of friends, one of them played by a 13-year-old Laura Dern, uh, and they call themselves The Stains. And at first, it's fun because they get to mouth off and play shows, and they go on tour with this real English punk band called The Looters, and they start getting fans, and girls all over the place start dressing like Corinne with this skunk hairdo and plastic bags instead of shirts. But then, of course, the major labels come calling, and things start to get complicated. Here's a clip. You... Hello? You don't fool me for a minute. I know all about you. You came here tonight thinking you'd see some cute and wonderful rock star. And you hope maybe he'd take one look at you from up on that stage and he'd fall in love with you just like that. Then your savior could take you out of this dump of a town you live in. You could be different from all the other girls. Bitches on drugs. Suckers! 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 Be yourselves. These guys laugh at you. They've got such big plans for the world, but they don't include us. So what does that make you? Just another girl lining up to die. Rafer, I love this movie. I think it does such a good job of tapping into uh, teenage rebellion and teenage girl anger. and Totally. The way that individualism butts up against, like, we live in this commercial society, and it is just so much fun to watch. It really is. It it also makes you want to scream at the sky, yeah, Yeah, girls will win. Girls will fucking take over this shit. Yeah, it's so, yeah, it definitely, like, will help you feel that feeling if you want to feel that feeling. I completely agree. Um, you know, and it's it's a it's a it's an odd movie with an odd little story. You know, the the director is a guy named Lou Adler who was never really a director. He was actually like an old school music producer. He's the guy who did Carol King's Tapestry album. He did what? the Mamas and the Papas. I know he like he goes oh back to like the Jan and Dean days. Um, uh, he also produced the Rocky Horror Picture Show, the movie. And um, yeah, so he's like a music guy. You know, he comes from the music industry. And then you've got this writer named Nancy Dowd, um, a woman and, you know, the rare female screenwriter, especially in the 70s and 80s. Um, but with a great track record, she did Coming Home, the Vietnam War movie, mm-hmm. which won an Oscar. She wrote Slapshot, the hockey comedy, another great cult movie. Um, and I don't know why she uh, put her name on this movie as Rob Morton. I think she was unhappy with the final cut. She used a pseudonym. Um but it's just this great kind of raw, rough, thrown together, um, kind of tough, kind of cynical look at punk and the music industry. Um, you know, the great thing to point out here is that 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 English punk band, the Looters, um, almost could have been a real band. The lead singer is Ray Winstone, who was in the uh, Quadrophenia, the Who movie. Mm. Uh, the bassist is Paul Simonon from The Clash, and then the, the drummer and guitarist are Paul Cook and Steve Jones from The Sex Pistols. So they like almost could have been an actual band. Um, but it's a great movie, um, really scrappy, and I, I interviewed... Um, a bunch of people. I interviewed Lou Adler. I interviewed uh, Kathleen Hanna. I interviewed wow. um, uh, Fee Waybill from The Tubes, who makes an appearance in it. When it, when the movie was released on home video, I interviewed all these people. And one thing Catherine, Kathleen Hanna said was, um, you know, she said for a young for young girls starting a band, seeing that movie was like water in the desert, and it just really inspired her to like basically go out and create a band and kind of create a movement. Um, mm-hmm. So. 
that's my recommendation to you. Ladies and gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains. And what a great name for a movie. It is. And I just love these teenage girls. They named their band The Stains. Oh, I know. Love these fucking girls. <laughs> oh, they're so good. They're so good. <laughs> so once again, those recommendations are from Ray for the very kick-ass Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains. And for me, the new Amazon Prime series, The Wilds. Well, Kristen, I think that does it for us. It's another episode of Movie Therapy wrapped up. Oh, let's go and riot girl now, Rafer. <laughs> Where's my L7 teacher? Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned L7. <laughs> Thanks to everybody who wrote in. We really appreciate it. Reminder, you can reach us on our website, RaferandKristen.com. Every movie we've ever recommended, every TV show we've ever recommended, we put on that site. We update it every couple months or so. And you can, of course, also follow us on Twitter at Rafer Guzman and at Kristen Meinzer. Until next time, I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm Kathleen Hanna. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm Kristen Meinzer. <laughs> Thanks so much for rocking out with us. Bye-bye.